You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. In this podcast, we're going to hear a message from our youth leader, Hannah Fetty. Tonight, uh, I really wrestled with what to share with you all um, a lot this week and was just in prayer and just trying to figure it out. And my heart just kept being drawn to... um, the letters that Paul sent to the churches, uh, the early churches, and um, just a a show of hands, how many of you all have ever received or written a letter to someone? Anybody? Yeah, there's some people. Well, as I was preparing, uh, God brought to my attention or reminded me of two letters that I had written, and they actually went to myself, ironically. Um, they were actually school assignments, and when I was in the fifth grade, my teacher had us write a letter to our senior year self, and when I was a senior, my teacher had us write a letter to ourselves five years later. And so in this letter that I wrote as a fifth grader, I mean, show me some grace, I was in fifth grade, but, uh, you know, it had all the latest scoop of what was going on in Mrs. Secret's class and what was going on over here and who the, the cutest boys were and, you know, who my best friends were. And it also outlined three goals. So I, I, within this letter, it had three goals. And one of them was to remain best friends with the girl who I considered to be my best friend at the time. Unfortunately, friendship didn't survive fifth grade. Um, my second thing was to play basketball in college and for the WNBA. Um, also, I'm here before you, I'm not in the WNBA, so you can see where that went. But part of that was true because when I said I wanted to play in college, I also said, I hope you go to Marshall. And I did go to Marshall, so it was like a half, half truth. And then my third, my third goal was to love Jesus all the days of my life and praise the Lord this one took obviously not all the days of my life quite yet because Lord willing, I still have many days ahead of me. But um, just this uh, idea of just staying near and drawing near to the Lord. And so my second letter that I wrote when I was a senior, you know, this one, I was like, I'm 18 now. This is going to be profound. This is going to be timeless. When I read this at the age of 23, I'm going to look back and be like, wow, what a wise 18-year-old Mm, just so good. Well, I can tell you, did not end up being either of those things, neither timeless nor profound. And uh, just, you know, kind of talked about life again, what was going on, talked about a relationship at the time that didn't end up working out and all of these things. And as I was reflecting on these letters and just, again, even when I tried in my greatest effort to make this timeless, to make it profound, I couldn't do it, which one you know, wasn't necessarily leaning into God as I was writing these letters. But when we look at scripture, um, it is timeless, it is profound. Every word included within this book is timeless and profound. And when we look at the letters that Paul wrote to these churches, he wrote to different churches in different areas, and if we're comparing it to our own lives in a completely different time period than we are currently in, and yet it is still so personal. It's not just relevant in general, but it is personally relevant to each and every one of us that it speaks to our hearts. And so um, 
And it's crazy, again, just to think about the whole Bible, 66 books, 40 authors who all come together and point to this one man and this one message and this story of grace and just how powerful that is. And as, you know, Pastor Micah was talking this morning that it is God-breathed, as 2 Timothy 3.16 says, that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And... It was just really cool as this was coming to my mind because, and this isn't necessarily the the topic of the message, but it was something that I wanted to point out of how remarkable and miraculous that this text is. And as someone who was saved at the young age of six, I think sometimes I can get really caught up in just the motions of life and get caught up in all these things. And I'm like, oh yeah, like the Bible is, you know, God inspired, God breathed, and it's remarkable and all these things. And I kind of know that, but to actually, it was really a gift this week to just be able to sit in all of that and be like, wow, God, you are so amazing. You are so great. And you're so good to us to give us this gift of your word. And so um, just for all of you, I don't know if you've maybe never given your life to Christ or if you've been a Christian for 60 plus years, But just that, I don't know, I would encourage each of you to just take a moment and just be in awe of that, be in awe of God and who he is and be in wonder um, just of what he's done. Um, So getting into it. So Paul, he, um, I was talking about letters. Paul wrote 13 letters, potentially 14 Hebrews is, we don't know who wrote it, but he's one of the potential authors. And of these 13 letters, nine of them were sent to seven churches. That was a lot of numbers. But uh, the seven churches were in Rome, Corinth, Galatia, Ephesus, Philippi, Colossae, and uh, Thessalonica. And so um, in these letters, he always has this formal greeting. He's like, hey, it's Paul. Um, grace be on you. And then, you know, he there's within the body of of these letters. It's um, very instructive, um, sometimes rebuking, um, but also encouraging. And one of the things I love about his letters is he often says, I'm encouraged by your faith and what the Lord is doing in you. And I think that's just such a cool thing. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more later tonight. And then he has his final greetings. He says hi to a bunch of people that are in whatever, you know, church, whatever town that he is sending this letter to. And then there's lots of prayers all throughout. And so within these letters, um, I found them particularly relevant because each of these letters was sent after, you know, Paul had visited them, they'd given their lives to Christ, you know, they had this encounter with God, and then it was kind of this after, like what, what's next? And I was thinking about all of these students who have come back, you know, from passion camp, and it's, Sometimes you need that little reminder afterwards because you have this moment, and you're like, wow, I've really encountered God, and wow, he's really spoken this to me. But it's kind of like this, what's next? And these letters remind me of kind of this idea of like, what's next? And so, um, and that's not just relevant for them, but for all of us, you know. Uh, we have encounters with God all the time, and so it's kind of like this, again, this what's next for each of us. And tonight, we're going to mainly be looking at um, just a, a passage in Ephesus, or Ephesians. The Ephesians are in Ephesus, sorry. Um, we're going to be looking at a passage in Ephesians, but it's really, one of the really cool things about this passage is, um, so Paul wrote this to the Ephesians, but there's also a similar um, plea uh, to the Colossians, and it's this idea of 
um, to live uh, worthy of the calling that you have received. And so um, that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Uh, the title of the message is um, A Life Worth Living. And uh, so we're going to go ahead and get into Ephesians 4. And um, this verse, it says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of spirit and the bond of peace. And so the first thing I want to point out is that word, therefore. I don't know about you all, but every time I, like, I feel like anytime there's a message and somebody talks about therefore, they always say, ask, what's it there for? Um, just a little play on words. But we are going to address what the therefore is there for, but we're actually going to do that at the end, so we're going to skip over that. Um, but his first introduction is, I, a prisoner for the Lord. And this is a really important part of this text because at this time when he's writing to the Ephesians, he is in prison in Rome. And with this, because um, again, the, the, whole, the whole verse, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy that you have been called. And so he's saying that even when it leads to suffering and even when we're in difficult moments, even when you know, it, it leads you to prison that this doctrine, this life for Christ, it is worth living. And it kind of puts him, you know, as he's writing to the Ephesians, it says, this is the position I'm in at this moment. And he's not saying it to say, oh, woe is me, or to get pity or anything like that. But he's doing it to bring glory to God because he's saying that God is worth it. God is worth everything. He's worth our lives. He's worth being in prison for. He's worth suffering for. He's worth going through hardship for. And it is worth it to give all of ourselves and all of our lives to him, to sell out our lives for Christ, and no matter what it may bring. And so, um, and, you know, again, he was in prison for the very thing that he was urging them to do. And so the next part of this verse he says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. And so this walk, and if you haven't noticed, we're going to break down this scripture a little bit by a little bit and then, and then get into it a little more. But when walk is used in the New Testament or when it's used uh, just throughout scripture, it often refers to a daily conduct in, of one's life. So it's saying this is going to be a daily thing. This isn't just going to be a, oh, live worthy when it feels like you can... You should live worthy or live worthy when it's easy or live worthy when this is happening. But it's saying daily um, live in this way. And so getting into the, the, the crux of, of this verse of live worthy of the calling you have received. And so worthy meaning matching up with or in line with and then this calling that we have received. So, so far we have the position where Paul is writing from. And we know that this is a daily, this is something he's urging us to do daily. And then he's asking us to walk worthy of this calling. And so what exactly is this calling? And so one, um, God has called all of us. If we are believers, if we are Christians, he's called us to himself. And I love um, Glorious Day. I love that song. That song always gets me. I'm like, yes, Lord, like you called me out of that grave. Yes. And, but he has, right? He's called all of us from death to life. He's called us out of this grave. And he's called us to himself as believers in Christ. 
And it's his work in our hearts that lead us to him. And then, I'm really sorry to the media team because I ended up flipping a couple of these verses. But um, we also have a calling of purpose. So in uh, 2 Timothy 1.9, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but, sharing in suffer- but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages begin. And then Romans 8.28 says, for, uh, We know that... For those who have been called, who love God, all things work together for their good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And so God has this purpose on our lives. He has called us, um, he's called us to himself, but he's also called us to do his work, right? And to do, um, and to, as the, this verse says, to don't be ashamed about the testimony. So for sharing in the gospel, for sharing this testimony, we've been called to share these things. And then um, we have also been called um, a new name. So when we give our lives to Christ, when we surrender to him, he gives us this new name and this new identity. In Isaiah 62, 2, it says, The nation shall shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. And so this verse uh, specifically is about Jerusalem and how one day they'll be given a new name. But this also doesn't just reflect them, but it reflects our lives, that we are given a new name um, when we come to Christ. And Isaiah 56, 4 through 5 says, For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast to my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And when we were at camp, um, there was a really awesome message from a woman named Hosanna Wong, and she is a spoken word artist and a speaker, and it was just really powerful, and it was something that we got to see really connect with a lot of the students. And she just talked about how, she talked about this truth of being given a new name and being given a new identity. And um, and you saw in the testimony video, if you were here in Sunday morning church last week, in the testimony of Anino, so many students, again, they were, that was the thing that stood, at that, stood out. And we have um, a picture of, sorry, it's, David warned me that it's really blurry. We have a photo of just the names that she went over. And these were some of the names that the students were able to choose from. That these are all of the things that God calls us his friend. And he calls us chosen and masterpiece. Temple, messenger, free, loved, brand new, child of God. And it was really cool to see them recognize that. And recognize, like, this is who I am. This is who God has created me to be. It's not just for this person, that person, but this is who God has called and created me to be. And then last week at youth, um, what we talked about was, you know, these things that God has done in our hearts and our lives that we need to treasure them up. And we talked about how when Jesus was baptized, God declared over him, this is my son with whom I love and with whom I'm well pleased. And then he went to the wilderness and then was tempted by Satan. And the first thing that comes out of Satan's mouth is, if you really are the son of God. And so just this thought of treasuring up 
what God has declared over us and what God has declared over you. And whether you are at camp or not, most of you in this room probably <laughs> weren't there, but that tonight, if you haven't, that you would recognize that these identities, that these declarations are for you and that you too would treasure them up in your heart and that as we are looking at tonight, that you would live like this is what you're called to. It's not just, you know, okay, like now I know I'm a child of God and now I know I'm loved, but living like you're loved, living as though you are a child of God, living out all of these things and walking in this identity each and every day. <clears throat> and um, just kind of wrapping that up, of we also, we likewise, we have been called out of darkness into light, as Acts 26, 18 says, out of slavery uh, to sin and to freedom, as Romans 6, 16 through 18 says, and out of the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God, as 1 Corinthians 1, 9 and Colossians 1, 13 says. And the reality of this calling reflected in our daily lives as we rely on his divine power to walk worthy. And so we're not walking worthy because of anything that we've done or any, you know, strength of our own, but because of what he's done. And I love what Miranda shared just during the worship of, it's about bringing him glory. And in this next verse of Ephesians 4, we, we see that. And so, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with humility and gentleness. And what these verses, what this part of this verse reminds us is that it's about him and this life that I'm living, I'm not doing it because I'm worthy. I'm not doing it because I can do it in my own power, but I'm doing it to glorify him. That me walking in my identity brings glory to him. Me walking in this knowledge of being loved and being chosen and being a messenger and all of these things, that it's all to bring glory to him. And that too, that we cannot do it without him. And I think about, it says humility and gentleness and this, this gentleness to receive what the Lord, this gentleness of spirit to receive what the Lord has and for the Lord to be able to correct us and guide us and allowing him to, to move us to where, where um, he wants us to go. And I don't know about any of you, but you know, I, when I was at home and gentleness of spirit wasn't something I always had with my parents, right? Like my mom said, hey, like, you need to do this or you need to do that. Wasn't always, I didn't always receive it with gentleness or with humility. And so that is, that is what these verses um, also point to, that as we walk out this calling and as God is sanctifying us and as he's making us holy, that we would have this gentleness and humility to accept um, what he has for us. And then the next part of this verse, we're, so we're doing it with humility and with gentleness, and we're also doing it with patience, which I don't know about you all, but patience is hard, right? Um, and it was interesting what I found in the King James Version. Um, it said long-suffering. And so patience feels like long-suffering many times. It's hard, and you know, you have to wait for something. You have to, you're waiting on that healing, or you're waiting on that miracle, or whatever it might be. And having this patience um, to endure. And I was listening to a sermon in, in preparation for today, and he, uh, the pastor was talking about this um, professor that he had, and he wasn't a Christian, but he had to take over their New Testament class, and he, uh, they were studying Paul, and they were looking at all of these things, and the thing that he couldn't wrap his brain around was how Paul would suffer, not for his own benefit, not for the benefit of the ones he loves, but 
to bring the gospel to his enemies, to take this message to those who were trying to hurt him and attack him and kill him and imprison him. And just this suffering that he went through for the glory of the kingdom. And, you know, people will look at us when things are going well, sure, and they will hopefully see Jesus in that, and they will see um, just the fruits of our relationship with him in that. But where people will really look and where they will really see Jesus is in those moments of suffering and those hardship. And when nothing is going right, when we're in pain, when we're waiting for healing, when we're... um, Going to our enemies, this person who's been mean to us in school, this person who's attacked us, this, ter- this employee or a co-worker who has just been mistreating us and coming against us, and how we respond to that and how we suffer will either reflect Jesus or it won't. But oftentimes, when we do reflect Jesus in those moments, that's really when people see Jesus in us. Um, and the last uh, part of this verse is bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And if you spent any time with me, and the youth has probably heard me say this a million times, even though it's only been a few months since uh, I've been leading it, but there is a lot of importance in community and in being surrounded with people who are pushing you towards Christ, who are encouraging you, who are loving you, who are praying with and for you. Just the importance of that. And I keep looking at uh, Patrick and Kaylee back there. We, I'm in their life group, and it's just such a joy and a pleasure to meet together in a group and just be able to study the Word of God together and to be able to pray for one another. And... Um, The Greek word, I'm not going to pronounce it, but translated for bearing with means to take responsibility for again and again. And so just this idea is to be continually and patiently enduring, tolerating and bearing with one another. And so that we would take on one another's burdens, that we would take on one another's hardships, and that we would walk through this life together. And I uh, have to say I, I love this church. I love Jewel City because... Um, it's just such a welcoming, welcoming church, and um, and getting to be on, you know, staff for the past couple months, seeing how much each of the staff members cares for all of you, and just the unity within that, and the unity within our church, and just how important it is to strive for unity. That we are all on the same mission. We are all trying to bring glory to the kingdom of God, and we are all. Um, just trying to make Jesus known and build his kingdom. And so that we would come together arm in arm and that we would pursue this mission and that we would fight this fight together. And community is, you know, it's one of the thing that, things that Jesus calls us to. Jesus lived his life with 12 men. And when he sent people out, he sent them in two by twos so that they weren't alone. And so that, again, they would be surrounded with people who were, had the same, same thing at the end of their, you know, they're both headed towards the same thing, and they're all headed towards the same thing. And so that we as a church, as this is instructed, that we would be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit, the bond of peace. And this isn't something, none of this is anything that we can do on our own, but something that is done 
through the Holy Spirit, something the Holy Spirit works through us. And so, altogether, when we look at this verse, what is it saying? That we would live lives worthy of the new name, identity, and purpose that Christ has called us to, not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done, and that we would represent him and reflect him in the good and the bad, the celebrations and the suffering, and that our church, family, and community would reflect the love and the unity of Christ. And I mentioned at the beginning of this message how there was actually another um, passage in one of Paul's letters that said a similar thing about living this life worthy um, of the calling. And so that's in Colossians 1, 9 through 12. And it says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of all the saints in light. And so how do we know that we are living this life worthy of the calling, worthy of the Lord? And I think this verse really puts it, puts it well that we will see fruits in our life. We will see love and joy and peace and patience and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That we will see these fruits um, coming up in our lives. That we will have increased knowledge of God and who he is and what he's done. That we will be strengthened with power. Um, that we will have endurance and patience, that we will have joy, and that we will have a grateful heart, that we will give thanks to the Lord. And that this is evidence in our lives of what it looks like to live a life worthy of the calling we have received, to live a life worthy of the Lord. And another one of the messages uh, just from Passion Camp talked about, and you also heard a couple testimonies that this was, this is what really stood out to some of the students, talked about not just giving God a wedge of our lives. You know, we have all these other things. You have work and school and um, sports and friends and all of these things, and then you put Jesus in a wedge, but that Jesus wants it all. And so that is what living a life that is worthy looks like, is a life that is all given to Jesus, that every single aspect is surrendered to him, and that... Um, there's nothing held back. And so that is my encouragement for tonight, that each of us would just reflect on our lives. We would give him all of our lives, that we would reflect on, am I living worthy of what he's called me to? Am I living as a child of God? Am I living loved? Do people see these things in my life? Do people see the fruit in my life? Do people see the patience? Do they see... Um, the endurance that I can go through these hard times? Do they see these things um, that reflect a life sold out for God and a life that is fully surrendered to him and a life that is worthy of what he's called us to? And so um, just in closing tonight, um, if Carrie wants to come up or someone wants to come up, <laughs> um, in closing, I don't want to leave tonight without 
asking, is there anyone in this room that would say, I have not surrendered my life to Christ because he is worthy of it all. And I know I keep saying that, but he truly is, that he has given his life for us. He has given everything for us. He gave his position in heaven to come down as a baby to live out his life on earth so that he could take all of our sins on and that he would give his life so that we could be sinless and blameless in the eyes of God because of what he's done. And so if there is anyone in this room that would say, I have not done that, I would ask that you just raise your hand. Okay. Well, then, for all of you who um, know the Lord, have surrendered your life to him, I mentioned at the beginning that there was a therefore at the beginning of this passage, and there's a reason that it's therefore. And um, so right before this passage comes, he, uh, Paul, prays a prayer over the Ephesians. So um, in, verse, or in Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 19, it says, For this reason... I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be with a strength, be strengthened with his power through his spirit and your inner being, so that Christ may dwell with you in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more than abundantly far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus throughout all of the generations, forever and ever, amen. And that verse, that is my prayer for each of you in this room. That you would know the height, the depth, the breadth, the length of his love, and you would be filled with the fullness of God, and that you would understand and know that he can do abundantly more than anything we know, could think, could ever ask. And that his power is at work within us to do, um, to do what he has set out, what he has called us to. To live this life that he has called us to. And so... I would encourage each of you... Um, to pray that prayer over yourselves and to take the time to just ask God to reveal himself, to reveal the magnitude of his love and to show him what he has for you, to work within you, to accomplish what he has called you to. And um, I was talking, I mentioned life group earlier. We had life group on Friday and the thing that I was sharing is that recently my prayer has been just God help me. Um, I really have no other words to say, nothing else to pray. And so many times I'm just like, I don't even know what 
to say or what to pray. And I'm just like, God, help me. And being in this position, I'm like, God, help me to love these students well. Or God, help me to speak in front of a group of people well. And not because it will bring glory to me, but because it will bring glory to you. And help me to always keep in mind that it's not about me, that when I stand in front of a group of people, that it's not about me, God, but that it's about you. That you would help me in all of these things. And so when we think about living a life worthy, when we think about living out our calling, when we think about all of these things, that we too would kneel before God and we would say, God, help me. God, just help me with these things. And not because of me, not because of what I can do in my strength, not because of anything about me, but because of you, God. Help me not build my own tower, but help me build your kingdom. And so, um, if you want to come up to the front, and if Carrie has a song, and if you just want to pray this prayer in Ephesians, or if you just want to pray, God, help me live a life for you, live a life sold out for you. Um, That's how we're going to close. And um, thank you, Jesus, um, just for this time. God, I pray that you would help all of us to live a sold out life for you, to live in your power, to love you more, to know you more, to know the extents of your love, God. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. 